in, in these verses that we've read to you about what God will do and what His mercy and what His, His loving kindness and what His grace and His passion of His purity and the love He has for His people. It, 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 it can't be put into words well. It, it truly can't be put into words well. We think that we could have a good grasp on what these words mean and we all here speak English and we all here can, can put these letters together and form a word and, and get a, at least a, a, a rough and, and ragged grasp of what we would think it would mean, but but even amidst all of that, it is still a love letter to his people. And if it's not him talking to you, it's one of your brothers and sisters crying out, God, I love you. You mean the world to me. Every brother and sister that we have that's written and spoken of in this book right here, this holy Bible, they all lived a life very similar to yours. They had very similar things that tear them down. All the Satan's against them. Yes, you've got more in this day, but they were humans just like you. They were humans just like me. They had, uh, they had times that they would feel lonely. They had times that they would feel like that, that they were all by themselves, even amidst a crowd of people. They had times that they thought different things that were said to them or scars or hurts or offenses that come out that it would never get better, that if they'd have had a root of bitterness in their heart that it could never be healed. Uh, you, you fight the same enemy they do. But we also have the same God they have. And that's what makes the difference. We have a, a whole book that tells you what happens when you put the kingdom of God into the, the kingdom of man. And this being the tabernacle of man, the tabernacle of flesh, the, the temple of the Lord, the, the tree of righteousness. And you insert that Holy Ghost, that, that eternal life, that, that, that part, that fraction of percentage of another dimension into this realm. And how it will so change this realm if you let it. And there's the key right there, if you let it. It's so easy with our enemy, the, the, the Antichrist. The, and the Antichrist is just, is just anything that's not Christ. You know, it's so easy to get wrapped up. Well, I'll never take the mark of the Antichrist. I'll never take that, that mark that will be passed out. Most people are confused, and they put it just during the tribulation. They put it just during the squeeze. You can take the mark of the Antichrist right now. Cain had a mark. Cain had a mark. Four people on the planet, one of them had a mark. So don't let Satan confuse you. What that mark is, is you choose Satan over God. Now, the way that he does that, he is so slick, he's so sly, he's so tricky, he's so pretty, he's so shiny, he's so alluring that he will catch your attention and even trick you into thinking that you're serving God. Millions and billions got together tonight, maybe in a midweek service. It's not as most common as a Sunday morning service, but many gather today not under the spirit of truth, not under the spirit of the word, and they do not worship him tonight in the spirit of worship. They do not worship him in the truth of the word. They worship him of a God of another day, and that's not who God is. But Satan can so convince someone because it's been taught this way so long, it must be the truth that, it, that that's the only way it can ever be, but that's not God. And by the fruits of it, Jesus told you, is how you know if anything is of what? By the fruits. Now, certain simplicity things of God, it's, it's, to me, it always blows me away, the simplicity of God. There's never been a more complex, there's never been a more brilliant, there's never been a more technical, specific entity or being or, or whatever you want to classify him is as our Lord God. There's none smarter, there's none wiser, there's none stronger, there's none more powerful, but he who is the greatest, the highest, none like him, chooses to reveal himself in the most simplest of things. 
where Satan says it must be this, some big shiny, some big this, some big seminary, or you must find this, and, and you must do this, and you must do this, and you, most of them never find God. Never find God. What you do find is years and years and years later, you've been lonely, you've been aching, you've been in this system, this whatever it is, and you've never felt peace, you've never felt life. And at the end of the day, if you were to be honest with yourself, you would at least would admit you're not happy. At the very least. Many of us sit here tonight have been in many other churches. Not making anything of this. Have been, you've been, got those who have been in other denominations, other ideas and things. Were you happy there? Honestly. Kind of quiet. It's a stepping stone. It's a pyramid. It's a walking up somewhere. You have to have that foundation that God can build on. God is a God of variety. He has you wired a certain way. He has you wired a certain way. You wired, you wired, you wired, you wired. Every which one of us wired in a certain way. He knows exactly what it takes to get to us. The prophet taught us that one of the greatest things God ever did was have to get one man to believe another. To get one man to believe another. And the way that works, it isn't just, you know what, that guy's a you know, high-polished scholar. He seems very well, uh, very well educated. He's very, very smart. I, I like how he delivers. It's not like that. that. That right there will never honestly trust. Never honestly trust to the point of giving your life. You understand how I'm making a depiction here? You'll never honestly trust to the point where you would lay your life down for that thing. Yes, that caught my attention. Yes, I was in that system. Yes, I was there. But I will not die for it. You, you follow me tonight? I will not die for it. There's nothing there you would die for. But in what God will do, will take the most crudest uh, in world standards, rudimentary as far as world standards, not pretty. You know, they say there's no beauty that you would desire him. No beauty. Maybe it would offend you. Maybe it would say something to hurt you. Why would I give bread for the children to a dog? I mean, if you would have stayed there and kept asking for your request after he said that. That shows what spirit you're of. Most people would have said, you call me a dog? Won't stay here no more. But that life changed, that shift, that, that dimensional barrier, because that's not of this world. This world has been given over to Satan. Sacrifice to him daily. Give to him. I could go through statistics of just how many lives have been sacrificed to the God of sex just since 72 or 73, what it was. And I can give it to you, the God of cigarettes, the God of alcohol, the God of pornography, the God of lust. All those things, and that is Satan. That's who you bow and worship when you do that. You have the God of entertainment. You have all of these things that Satan will take and try to steal your life, your light for his realm. And it'll get you so tricked and so uh, just kind of lullabied to sleep to the point where it's not a big deal. I'm just going to give this time here. I just need a time to break. I just need a time to relax and just kind of just cool, cool myself and get a pressure. I shared that with you here recently that, that Brother Neville had preached that sermon uh, back, I can't remember exactly, 1960, 1961, where is the God of Elijah, was said that, that one of the greatest things affecting America is soft living. Laziness, entertainment, things like that. It, it, it takes you away for, from serving the Lord. People that they won't spend an hour a day reading their Bible, but they'll spend five hours a day with the TV on. They'll spend at least two hours a day with their phone in their hand, but won't spend an hour with their Bible open. Who's winning in that area? See, this is a very serious thing tonight. Who here wants to go to heaven? 
We gotta, come on, got to give me unanimous. Who here wants to go to hell? Oh, it's not that big a deal. He's fighting for your very soul. It's not that big a deal, huh? Not that big a deal. My goodness. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter, th- chapter 4 with me. I pray the Lord would open his word to us tonight and let him speak to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I've, I, I spend a lot of time in this chapter. I, I love all the hidden things that are in this particular chapter alone and what this one teaches us of the other sides and what it teaches us of our lives lived on this side. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And I'll stop right there just a minute. You understand that uh, the spirit on a person that will make them tell a lie. Because he starts right there. You understand he starts right there. Not dishonest. Not being dishonest. The hidden things of dishonesty. And you know the spirit of a liar. You know, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. You understand that. I, I've been a liar a lot in my life. I, I've, had, I've had struggles before that in my life and God has delivered me from that. I'm not the only one. Surely not. You're, you're each one. You, I didn't know one had to teach you how to lie. You were born in this world speaking lies. So don't look at me like I'm the worst sinner in the room. I might be, but don't, don't get all uppity on me now. See, and that spirit that would make you do that, would that be the spirit of this world that would make you twist the truth? See, I've shared that with you about when someone comes across you and someone catch you in a tight spot. Will you, uh, will you only give, you, give them portions of the truth to make yourself look better? What about this? I heard y'all had a big problem with, uh, I'm trying to find, I don't, I don't want to point nobody out, make you think I'm talking about them. Maybe I heard that you had an argument with somebody, and, and it's kind of tell me how it went, and it's so easy in our flesh. Well, this person said this, this person did this, he did this, he did this, and he did this. What'd you do? I was the perfect Christian the whole time. I just sat there and just kind of, kind of, you know, just kind of, you know, moved my halo back and forth and, and smelled real nice, and, and, and there was no guile found in me. We're each one human. We're each one getting the flesh too quick. And I, I, I've tried my best when I relay something that's happened not to make me look like I'm something, to make them look like nothing. And, and there are honest offenses. There are honest scars. There are honest things that's done to us. I ain't disputing that. But, but when you go to relay something, when you go to change that, and when you go to tell someone else, how will you relay the story? Will you leave out parts of something that you did or something you should have made right, something you should have went above and beyond? Did you give them your cloak also? Did you give them your other cheek also? Would you rather that you would have been defrauded and they would have been set free? See, Paul teaches about even a Christian suing another Christian. He said, why would you not rather be defrauded? defrauded, you take it, you take the loss, you take the hurt. That way, no, we won't go to court. You, God bless you, you go that way, I'll take the loss. And I'll set you free. There's no hard feelings. I love you, God bless you, we'll just let it go. I'll take the loss. But, but again, that's that other spirit. But you know you deserve this. You know you deserve this. You know they owe that. You know that wasn't exactly right. And again, not disputing the facts, but how you responded. How you responded. Did you let that go on their account? Or did you say, God, please forgive them, set them free, and if there's anything to be bore, put it on my back. If there's any sin to be paid for, put it on my account, set them free. This is what the seal of God will do to you. 
the seal of the enemy, the seal of the Antichrist, will say, Nuh-uh, don't put that on me. I will not be guilty of the blood of Christ. I don't care if you just heard me a month ago saying, let his blood be upon me, his blood be upon my children, his blood be upon my children's children. He stood there and said that. And then much later, they're, they're telling Stephen, you're going to try to make us guilty of the blood of Christ? You said make me worthy, make me guilty. But life and light will change that response. It'll absolutely change that response where you're no more dishonest. I understand there's a fine line in there's some things you can't say. There, there's a fine line. I, I give, I'll give a, uh, you know, not say a pass, but I understand that there's things that you can't say. There's certain things that I can't, if you were to ask me how I'm doing, there's certain things I can't share with you. It might be something I'm going through with another member that would not help you to know what they're going through. And it's not me trying to lie to you. It's, I'm not trying to say it's not in your business. It'd be honored to say, please keep this person in prayer. Please keep us in prayer. Please keep this matter in prayer. You don't need to know details because then you'll turn around and you'll get, have a hurt feeling or be mad at them or offended of something that was said. And then you've got to bear that. Remember that root of bitterness defiles many? That's why you've got to be so careful with such a thing like that. So even with when you're dealing with other people, you've got to be very careful how you change because it's so easy. I, I've watched that in years with my family that if someone was to say someone about someone I loved, and, and not even me, I may, may not even be in it, and someone say someone about someone I love, I get very defensive. And I'm going to be irritated or frustrated with that person for a long time, and they didn't even say it about me. That's just the flesh. That's just the flesh. Not... But, but renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. The prophet said you'll make it right that a Christian, that a Holy Ghost-filled, surrendering live Christian will, will make it right even if it tears the hide off of them. Tears the hide off of them. you got to watch that spirit of dishonesty. Now, it goes right into craftiness. Well, it will work it like this and do this right here. And, and even down to the point of handling the word of God deceitfully. Handling the word of God deceitfully. Bethany's had on the, a quote on our board here about Brother Branham saying that there'd be more preachers out there preaching with the baptism of fire. There's no, there's no hiding anything there. It's not trying to meant to hurt. It's preaching what the word of God says. The word of God hurts you. It's not me saying it's the word of God that's trying to tell you straighten your life back up. Paul would describe it in a certain way. He said, I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm not trying to sound like I'm judging. I'm not trying to like I'm trying to condemn you. I will live for you, and I will die for you. So you understand where I'm coming from when I'm saying this. It's what he said. This is to save your life, to help you in your walk with the Lord. Well, you're just preaching at me, or you're just being judgy, or you're always trying to hold my feet to the fire. I belong in the fire. I belong chucked as far in hell as you can throw me. That's where I belong. But His grace and mercy saved me from that. Each one of us tonight, if that's the truth, His grace and mercy saved We all, each one, deserve that. So if you were to start telling the Word and preaching to me and say, I deserve it, yeah, I deserve every bit of it. I deserve every bit of it. If you were to take me out here and whoop me with, what is it, 39 stripes, save me with 45, 39 minus 1, whatever it was Paul said, and beat me, I deserve every bit of it. Every bit of it. Every bit. You're not going to hear me say, I don't deserve that. No, I deserve every bit of it. Each one of us do. Not a guiltless one among us. Not a guiltless one among us. We each one deserve it, but his mercy made a difference. Now, 
Not handling the word of God deceitfully. Not trying to twist it. Not trying to ch- change it. Not trying to water it down. We shared a lot in the last year about where the scripture says that they took the word of God and made it none effect. They handle it deceitfully. The word of God, I say this all the time, is supernaturally creative. That if your heart was right with God and you were to walk in these doors and your life is so surrendered every service and you've done let all of you stay outside and just him uh, walking, you walking in your flesh in here and your life is surrendered to him and I can just read one scripture to you, one verse, and you'll take off screaming and shouting glory to God. You don't have to be worked on and worked on and worked on. Uh, would you, do you believe any of these things? And, and for a preacher to preach these things to you, it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of times people give you blank stares. And you think, um, do you believe anything I'm saying? I'm reading from the Bible. Will you at least amen the Bible? Or, or if I say things that I got from the Bible, will you at least amen that? And, and the thing about that is, like I've said, that's you watering the words. That's you saying, I believe that. And when you start saying, I believe that, that'll break any demon's hold on you. You understand that? Each one of us live in this world. Each one of us walk back in here. We have all kinds of things told at you every day. You might have walked in tonight as down as down down could be. Felt like you had a blanket of, of dark concrete poured on you. You just feel like it's been my worst week ever. But even still, the truth is, that don't belong to you. Don't belong to you. That's your enemy. And once you start... Stepping into this atmosphere and you start amending that word, those demons have to flee. Have to. Absolutely have to. And it make a Wednesday night service not so dull. Not so dull. See, Wednesdays are harder than Sundays. You've all worked today. You've all went to school today. You've all been in your life and been in your world and all the things you had to do and fought all those demons and all those things walked around. It's different than a Sunday. But this is where it becomes a sacrifice. It becomes a sacrifice. We were <clears throat> talking about this before church. Somebody, some people don't want to come on a Wednesday night. And it, they kind of make it where Wednesday night is just where it doesn't mean the same. And, and I've been guilty of that myself. And even how I would dress on a Wednesday night. I would show up years ago in jeans. And no offense to anybody. I just, just please. <laughs> but, but they would make a Wednesday night to where that it was just no big deal. But my question would be is. And, and this is for each one of you here, sitting here tonight. Would you, in your heart, testify that the Shekinah glory is here tonight in this room? So what does that make this Wednesday night service? It makes a supernatural experience. You're not going out for supper. You're not going out to a movie. You're not going out to a picnic in the park. You've stepped into his presence. Now, the way that works is you can be so bound down in your fog that he could be sitting right beside you and you wouldn't know it. And you would leave, well, I probably shouldn't have come tonight. I kind of wasted that time. Preacher wasn't preaching that good. Singer wasn't singing that good. Musicians, everything was messed up. None of the quotes. You pick apart every single thing. Every single thing. But it's all about you. Where's your heart at? Where's your life at? How'd you walk in those doors? How'd you walk in those doors? Once you've tasted of that heavenly gift, once you've absorbed that life, you can't be satisfied with anything else. You believe that tonight? You really? Once you've, I can't be satisfied with anything else. Nothing else will bring my heart satisfaction like his word, his presence, his anointing, being around him. He said, but by manifestation of the truth, 
commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, I, I don't remember the exact scripture, but here you could link where Paul would say, make that statement that if, if me eating meat offended a brother, I'll never eat meat as long as there's a world or as long as I live or any of those things like that. And this is where you get, again, dying to yourself. But I like meat. I, I like cheeseburgers. I'm a big fan of hamburger steak. But would I be willing to surrender what I want for my brother or sister if that was something that honestly offended them, honestly hurt them? I'm not talking about somebody just being a critic and, well, you shouldn't do this. I'm talking about honestly. I know that's straining at a gnat. That's an extreme. But again, how does your heart respond to that? How do you respond? Who do you think you are? Commend myself to every man's conscience in the sight of God? See, the key to that statement is in the sight of God. I'm not just going to commend this or if we had some Jehovah's Witness or some other, and it would say, well, you didn't say it like this, you didn't say it like this. You're not sitting in the sight of God because in the sight of God completely lines up with this. Completely lines up with this. No other, it must be completely lined up with this. Moving on, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If our gospel be hid. So imagine for yourself tonight that, that this was written in a letter. But imagine you're sitting in Corinth 2,000 years ago and Paul was given this as a sermon. And you're sitting there in that sermon and you're thinking, man, this really ain't, this ain't, he really ain't saying much tonight. He really ain't getting anywhere tonight. Not really giving anything deep. Nothing this, all these different, all these little criticisms, all these little things about it. And then he runs across that statement, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that lost, that are lost. And you actually heard him say it. Hopefully that would shake yourself. Oh, I'm paying attention now. I'm missing something. You ever read the Bible and come across something and say, oh, I know I'm missing something here. I've had things that, that I've read across it. And I think that, in far, at least in far my walk, there are things that aren't for me to know right then. And, and I'll accept that. I'll give that to the Lord. And I'll, run, I'll read across it and read it. And it's, it's almost, it's kind of hard to, to explain. It's almost like I would describe deadpan. It's just, I read it and read it and read it. And I know there's something there and I'm just not getting it. Lord, in your time. And I'll go on somewhere else and then he'll bring me back to it. Just as randomly can be. I'll open up my Bible. I'll flip over, fall over, and he opens it up. And I say, praise the Lord. All revelation comes from the Holy Ghost. It comes from the other side. Jesus made that statement. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but your Father which is in heaven has to reveal this to you. That's where it comes from. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Or another translation, if it's veiled. And see how far we'll get tonight. But he said if it's veiled, if our gospel is veiled, veiled, and I think you know where I'm going with that, if it's veiled, Verse 4, in whom the God of this world, that's that seal of the devil, seal of the Antichrist, seal of the one that is not your Lord and Savior, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which they already believe not. They're already unbelievers. Brother Bram taught that there are make-believers, there are unbelievers, make-believers, and believers in every church in America, every, every, every assembly. There's always unbelievers, make-believers, and believers. And the, the, there's a difference between an unbeliever and a make-believer. An unbeliever would tell you straight up, I don't believe it. God ain't real. This ain't real. Church ain't real. All those different things. A make-believer would be more along the lines of Cain or Judas. Judas was a make-believer. You understand, Judas was a make-believer. See, Judas was out there casting out demons and healing sick as a make-believer. But he had no part with him. He had no part with him. That because there was no part with him, he couldn't be in the upper room. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest 
lest or unless, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ we read to you in Psalms about the light of his light, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. Who is the image of God should shine unto them. Uh, uh, is it Peter that says when the day star rises will shine abroad, is shed abroad in your heart. That light is shined across that seed and that seed is quickened and brought to life. And then you become a new creature. You're no longer dead. You are now made alive in Christ Jesus. That light has come into your heart. That life has, 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 has uh, uh, you know, brought that seed to life. And the only way it does that, if you always were to see to begin with. Only way it does that. Now, again, the simplicity of God. We read that quote to you on Sunday. Brother Ram was talking about how they can shoot the moon. They can, they can, they can you know, measure the stars. They can do all these different things. But they can walk over a blade of grass and never explain it to you. Now, the simplest things, and I've shared a lot to you how impressed I've always been with dirt and what dirt can do. Something as simple as dirt can bring forth life in it. It can be a cradle for life, and, and there's, no re, there's, no, uh, there's no mystery there to why it should be so alluring to us because we're made from dirt. Walking around six foot tall pile of dirt right here, that's all I am. But it meant to be something that life can be in. This earthly tabernacle, this, this flesh, this vehicle you walk around in. That, that God would be able to have a seed planted in that dirt. The, the, the seed bank of not just the earth being where you, you have the, the, uh, the grass and you have the trees and you have all those. It's amazing how if you were to take it and dig up a, a big section of field and just take that first two feet off. And if you were thinking in my mind, okay, Genesis 2, when he's planting all those seeds and all that's placed out there and, and that seed is put there. And he said, as long as time remains, there'll be seed time and there'll be harvest. And that scripture is creative. And you were to say, well, what I'll do to subvert that is I'll pull that top two feet of dirt off. Obviously, it's only in that top soil. I'll pull that off and then I'll subvert that plant. But lo and behold, you give it a little bit of water, you give it a bit of light, and grass will start growing even there. In a clay surface, in a non-top soil, in all those things. But life, there's still seed there. You didn't come along and spread seed and say, now I put seed here. No, the creator in his infinite wisdom placed that seed there. Now, as far as us being that natural tabernacle, that seed being placed in the earth, and it come down through, you understand the parable of the seeds, as it's walking down from grandfather to great-grandfather to great-great, I'm going backwards because I, you know, I, I didn't go far enough, great-great-great-great-great down to great-great-great-great-great down to great-great-great down to great-great down. You, you follow what I'm saying? All of that thing walking down, God perfecting that, and at each the same time still pulling all of your flesh out of the earth. Pulling your flesh out of the earth. We've shared a lot about our kinsman redeemer. What he did was he inserted the, the seed, the, 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 the hemoglobin and that seed into Mary. He put that into her. And what she did was just an incubator. She fed from the things of the earth, plants, uh, animals, all those things. Her body changes that into a usable nutrient or resource and then feeds that life that was on the inside of her. You understand? The things that you eat, you're feeding that life on the inside of her. And you find so many different types to the Bible. Uh, you have that your, your spiritual type versus your natural type. We talk about watering the Word. Everything has to have water and has to have light. Everything that you plant has to have water. And you can't plant it in a basement 
and expect with no water, no light, you're going to grant any kind of crop. It must have water and it must have light. Everybody understands that. So you have to water the word with your amen. You have that seed of God placed in you before the foundation of the world. You have that Holy Ghost that's now hopefully quickened your soul and made you alive. But you've got a part in your do. You have to say amen. Or you have to say no. You get the truth. Again, very famous thing that Joshua said. That was the Lord moving upon his heart. That exact same thing he says will fit you today in almost any situation you walk in. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. You choose you right now, this moment, 8.06 p.m. on a Wednesday night. You choose right now who you'll serve. You choose right now who your thoughts will serve. You choose right now what your memory will connect and grab and lock away. You choose right now. You choose if you equate it to worth or not. You choose. You choose. <clears throat> For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and then ourselves Servants, your servants for Jesus' sake. Any man that seek to be great, he should be small. And God will lift him up. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our heart. This should be an automatic amen. That's me. I see myself in the mirror of the word. He has shined in my heart. I can testify in my experience. That's what happened to me. That God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, this is all the way back in the Genesis, the Creator, He's commanded it, the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our heart to give, that's italicized, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. A lot of things right there that, that Paul just covered. The light, the glory, the face of the person. The light, the glory, the face of the person. Now, this isn't the light, the face, the glory of some other apostle, some other prophet, some other angel. This is the very creator I am. Now, and he's showing you this as a prophet would write this down. See, Paul being that 12th disciple, that 12th one to be made there, to be put in that place. You understand we kind of touched this uh, gently on Sunday about the 11th hour worker, covering that as far as World War I and, and about the disciples. If you were to jump over to Marcus um, Mark 16, and the, 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 the resurrection has happened, and that word is coming forth from Mary and the others that were there at the tomb, and then even Cleopas and his friend, each one of those, and it's coming back to the disciples, they still don't believe it. And as you read that in Mark, it's Mark 16, it says the 11 said it meet. The disciples, there are 11 now, there were 12, one of them died, but there were 11, the other one had not been uh, quickened and put into his place yet. But it was always meant to be the murderer Saul to be changed to the, the apostle Paul. He was a murderer. He wreaked havoc, breathed out heresies, all these things. Your brother, uh, uh, before he was quickened, before he was made alive, just in his flesh. Well, I've never been that bad. Still was always meant to be. He was always meant to be that one of those four and twenty elders. You understand that? Always meant to be one of those four and twenty elders. But God can take a man's life and so clean it up where God can use him like that. I heard, I think it was in, um, it's either in the unveiling of God, the message 1964, I think it's in that, talking about what got John so excited. 
John is brought forward into the Lord's day, which is, you know, even up to our day and even a little bit further as far as what he got to see was. He got to see those four and twenty elders before the throne. You know, John was one of those four and twenty elders. It's not just a natural representation. I stand here in my body, in my flesh. Yes, I'm breathing, all that. I see myself sitting there. Brother Matt, I've got about, I think about 25 minutes left of that Wednesday night sermon that he preached here a couple weeks ago. And, and he was talking about there that, that, that vision that Brother Branham saw of the bride walking up, that preview of the bride. And, and if you notice that, if you pay very close attention to the way the details come, because God is very particular about his details. You believe that? He's good. God's very particular about his details. The church, the worldly church, those that of those seven that said they will lay hold on one man in that day and, and say that we'll, we'll be called by your name but we'll eat our own bread will be those denominations, those that are a part of that mystery Babylon and all those that, that go into that bed of fornication, those that are hiding away, they're on the right side. But he said the bride come up on my left side. Every time he describes her, she comes up on my left side. And we, we've shared that with you where you find the Song of Solomon where his sweetheart is. He's got his left arm wrapped around, pulled real close to his heart. That's where he keeps you, real close up tight. But in that vision of what God showed him, even to the beyond the curtain of time, about who he saw there in, in, in a prophetic sight as far as what was be allowed to see. And, and it, I've not been given that question, uh, would you like to look behind? Would you like to look beyond the curtain of time? And he makes that statement, it would help me so much. Would it help you today in your walk to see yourself there? Nobody? Nobody? It see, it helped me a lot. I, I feel like on days that I'm really discouraged or Satan's coming in pretty hard, I'll say, nope, nope, that's all myself. There. You better keep on trucking, fella. You keep on walking. He comes back and he makes that statement. He said, I can never be the same Brother Branham ever again. And that's a revelation. See, that's a revelation. God giving through that vision a revelation of himself there, of who his family was there, all those and what God uses them for. And he said, because I saw God use me in such a way, I can. you get into your, you get into your, your own little test, and your own little trial, and your struggle, and you think, well, I'm having no effect. I'm not doing it. You know, he makes that statement. I'm laying in bed. I pull up on my, I got my arm behind my head. I'm thinking, well, Bill, if you're ever going to do anything for the Lord, you better get started. I've already been around the world at least seven times, preached in thousands of countries, had half a million people give their heart to God, all these supernatural miracles, and he makes a statement, if I'm ever going to do anything with the Lord, I better get going. So you see, you get a little down, you get a little discouraged, and the Lord said, I know how to help him. I'm going to give him a sight of home. That's what a revelation is. Revelation comes to the Holy Ghost. Revelation can show you those things which are much higher and above the things that are happening around you. Not temporal, but eternal. <laughs> Not temporal. For we have this treasure. We have this treasure, this light, this knowledge, this glory, this face. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Again, the pile of dirt, walking around, the kingdom of heaven, the, the parable that Jesus gave about taking that kingdom of heaven. It's like unto, um, it's like leaven, and you put it in a bag of barley. It will leaven the whole bag. 
It, you take that kingdom, that face, that knowledge, that glory, all of those things on the other side, and you put it in the earthen vessel, this treasure, which I hope you equate him as a, tre a treasure, that you find him as your pearl of great price, and that you would agree that he put that inside this flesh. You put this treasure in earthen vessels, and you find that the seal of the devil, the, the, the enemy, when he comes in like a flood, he wants to make this seem as watered down and as useless and as, as, a, as common as can be. You've got the Holy Ghost, big deal. So what? Water it down in your heart. Water it down in your life. You believe God, you believe His Word, you see moving in your life, so what? So what? So what? Try to water it down to where it means nothing to you. And if you listen, He'll have great success. If you listen. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels at the excellency of the power, the power. See, this is the same power we were talking about before that, where he said, the God that created, that commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. That same power, that same power. He said, this the excellency of the power. And I shared that with you recently. My, one of my favorite quotes, I had the rising of the sun, that Brother Bram said that the full maturity of the word has returned in full power again. The full Maturity of the word. Genesis 1 1, Genesis 2. You understand? He said, We have this treasure in an earthen vessel <clears throat> that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. May be of God and not of us. Then, if you'll jump back to 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 2. You are our epistle. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. I don't know if I thanked you for the water, but thank you. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much, for as, much as ye are, and again, I love italization. The way that it words it to get your attention to, you're reading along, you're just minding your own business, you're trucking along, you come through the word of God, then it grabs you, he's like, you better stop and pay attention. He's like, I'm talking about you. You're manifestly declared. No, I'm just me. I'm just, you know, I'm just, this is all I am, this is all I'll be. You're not meant to be ordinary. I tell you that all the time. You never were meant to be ordinary. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. You believe what I just read to you? That you were manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. See, at the end of John, as he concludes his book and his testimony there about what he'd seen in his life in that area, and he wants to end it up with, he said that, that you could not, if, if you were to uh, write down everything that actually happened, all the libraries couldn't hold it. Your books couldn't hold it. There's not enough things that can hold what God did. Now, the reason why it was put to be that way is because, for one, most people don't read a book. Don't read a book. Most people won't even read the Bible. Most everybody houses in America have one, but I guarantee if you want to find the dustiest thing in most people's houses, it'll be their Bible. It's just Satan's had marvelous success. Had marvelous success. But in that, that, that it's meant to be a lived epistle. How do you know that he's a savior? Okay, you're having a conversation with someone, so they're asking, Elias, how do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is a savior? Oh, that's easy. He saved me. 
Okay, Jesse, how do you know that he's a healer? Oh, that's easy. He's healed me here. He's healed me here. He's healed me here. I'm going to count my blessings. I'm going to name them one by one. I'm going to keep telling you. I'm going to overcome the devil. Every time I turn around and testify of the grace of God in my life. So you really seen him like that? Oh, brother, you got all day? I can just get scratched in the service. Just all the things God has done and that I've been got to know. How do you know he does that? Because I've seen him do it. See, I'm a written epistle. You're a written epistle. Testify of what God has done. Testify of what God has done. See if it don't change your mood. See if it don't change your mood. How, well, my day wasn't going that good. Start saying out loud, even if it was just you in a room, this is what God did for me. This is what God did for me. I can see him moving in my life. Those demons get scared and run away. You're talking about someone who has real power. And we will make ourselves scarce. We see we're having no effect any longer. They start overcoming us by the word of their, their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Oh, you can see the blood of the Lamb. Now here comes the word of their testimony. We better run. Better run. For as much as you are manifestly declared, each morning you get up, you slide, turn around, you put your feet on the table, you on the floor, you slam your feet down and say, Satan, I'm manifestly declaring again. You better start pumping your brakes. I'm here to give you fits. Declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Amen. Fleshy tables. See, we were going through on Sunday there in 1 Kings, and they're describing the structure, the actual strength of the building. is built out of stone. Uh, Peter would say, you're lively stones. You're meant to be polished. You're meant to be the great master builder to, to, to smooth out your life, to, to cut you, to place you in his building. Well, I just am what I am. No, you're going, to be, you're going to be worked on by the master builder. He's the potter is going to do a good job in your life. And at the end of it, he who created the heavens and earth will step back and say, oh, what a masterpiece. Oh, what a masterpiece. Now, that's perfect right there. So you are typed also as a lively stone. He must work on you. You must let him, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Not my will, but thine be done, Lord. I, I want to get mad right now. I want to get irritated right now. I, Lord, help me let it go. Help me forgive this. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. And guess what? He'll do it. Amen. He'll do it. But if you sit there all sawed up, he won't do nothing for you. Because you won't let him. You're going to bless me. Knock yourself out. But in that table of stone is that kingdom, is that tabernacle is being built there through God divinely inspired, not just to Moses, the temple in the wilderness, not just to David, but even to Solomon, another man, another man come back with the same kind of a testimony. That's what it looks like. And we'll do this. It'll be built out of stone. Now we'll cover it with cedar. Now we'll cover it with gold. Perfectly fit in place. And the way that God lays stone together, we're not taking big chunks and there's holes here. and We put these up here. and be, No, no, it's all perfectly, perfectly, perfectly cut and put together. Y'all have been having a rough week. I've had this test, this trial, this test. God's still working on you. He's polishing. I tell you that many times that sometimes it's a little polishing work. Sometimes a little hammer and chisel. Sometimes it's sledgehammer work. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I shared that with you here recently. You, you take Job in the first part of this uh, of the, the book of Job, that everything that he had and what little he knew the Lord in that capacity, he would have gladly given it all up to know him like he does at the end. Now I know you. Now I know you. Well, you must not be a Christian if all these bad things are happening to you. No, he's working on me. He's getting the parts out of me that are not conducive to him. 
He's getting the parts out of me that would maybe even rise up against him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Fleshy tables. Fleshy tables. Not tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And I, I even shared that with you. How that we, Our very first scripture, we open up there in Psalm 36 about under his feathers. And what flesh and how tough flesh and bones and skin can be with the life of God in them. It, it is so far supersedes any design of man. I can take in years of roofing that I can take a pair of cotton gloves or something like that. And if I'm stripping a roof, I can go through at least two pairs in a day, wore the fingers right off of them. I can use just my hands and not even get calluses. That there's nowhere near as thick as that cotton. But the way God designed that, not that I'm anything, this is God's design that is so much tougher and will restore than what even something as tough as a glove would do. Much less going toward uh, the man's idea of armor and as far as something strong where bones and skin and feathers would be so much tougher and stronger than, than what even a man's idea would be. That's why he would liken himself to being an eagle. To be under his feathers, be under his wings, to be pulled up close to his side so that he might protect you. You know, that seems kind of silly. Wouldn't an arrow go right through that feather? Not his feathers. Don't make me quote all of Psalms 91 to you tonight. The arrow by they, the pestilence, the terror, it won't get through that. And so there you have it right there in verse 4. If you're thoroughly convinced in verse 3 and you see that as an interactive model in your life, I can see this. I can look at my life and say, there's some construction going on. Uh, uh, big remodeling projects going on in my life. I, I can look in and I can see what I was a day ago, a week ago, a year ago, or, or six years ago. I, I'm not just, you know, I'm not retro. I'm not vintage. No, he's doing something on the inside. We're not bringing back the old. No, he's making me new. You understand, not some old thought of man or idea. No, no, that same heavenly vision, that heavenly picture, that same picture that he's had before you since before the foundation of the world that stands there perfectly whole, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. See, I believe he can do it. I believe he can do it. <clears throat> so verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Such trust to where you would say, Lord, have your way. It might hurt. It might not be what I want, but have your way. I'll admit, Lord, your ways are so much higher than mine. Your thoughts are so much higher than mine. Have your way. See, that verse 4 is such a dying out of yourself. Such a dying out of yourself. You can't stand there and say, well, I got a little bit of trust in him. I got, no, so much trust in him. But you see no help coming. No, I see him. But you have no paycheck coming. I see him. But you, the doctor said you're going to die. I see him. The doctor said you're already dead. I see him. I shared that testimony with you Sunday. That brother that had the doctor told him your son's been, your child has been dead for so many hours. He said, God promised me I could get him, that I'd have him. I don't want to have no time wasting with you and your religious ideas. He said, sir, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm trying to tell you what God told me. I understand you're checking his pulse. You're checking his heartbeat. You're, you're saying that he's dead. I'm not disputing that. I'm telling you what he said. And so such trust to, through Christ have I through God work. He said I'd do it. He said I'd make it. He said he would be more than enough. 
Verse 5, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. You find in this book will tell you how over and over and over how to live your life and how to think and how to move, even to where you'll sit at a party. Even where you'll sit at any kind of function, which chair you'll take. You know the scripture covers that? You, you show up, you'll take, a, a, a real believer would take the lowest seat to be found. The lowest seat. Now, and, and a puffed up, someone under the seal of the devil walked right up the highest seat and plop right down. Get out of the way, I'm here. Finally, I, all you've been waiting for. But that meek and lowly, humble Shows up to a wedding and nobody even knows he's there until they need wine. Shows you how to live your life. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Now here's where it gets real. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. I'll pause right there to bring emphasis on what that statement in my imagine would in my imagination, my thought would be to be. You have in, in Paul's day, you've had all these Pharisees and Sadducees. You have all these imposters. You have all these make-believers. You have all these Judases. You have all these Cains that are standing there saying that it must be this way. This must be this way. It must be this way. You know, there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you grouped together. So if in numbers it is true, then I should go with you. Now, I would say that's true as long as it don't contradict this. Now, when I step back and I see your numbers, and you're all going that way, but this word says to go this way, um, I think your letter's wrong. I think your letter's going to run you right in the pit of the lake of fire. Because it's not the life of it. They so strain at something, it must be this, it must be this, it must be this. All the while knowing in their heart something's Greek. All the while. All the while. How do you feel? I can't really explain it. But I gotta do what it's, I gotta do that. But there's a there's a life there too. I'm not talking about being anti-war. I'm not talking about going against the war. Nothing like that. There's a balance to that. <clears throat> but there are so many that they'll take one quote, they'll take one scripture, and they'll build their life and everything on it, and they will not have a balance backwards and forwards. For God is a spirit, and you worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Spirit and in truth. Now here's where we're getting to that. <laughs> that, that natural course, that natural part, that, that part of your life that, that, that you don't want to live and you wanted something to bridge a gap, to pull you up what above all this world could hold. Verse 7, but if the ministration of death, the ministration of death, that ministration is a dealing out, is if, if I were to, uh, if, if I had a bunch of, um, say, uh, your big old bag of potatoes, and I was going to take and give you two potatoes, and you two potatoes, that's me ministering these. If I'm going to take a, a bag of bread, I'm going to minister this to you. I'm going to give this to you and give this to you. As this ministration is coming out, as that you know, administration, you understand what the word, that, that type of that word comes from, how it would be used, is in a supply. As in a supply. If the supply of death, if the ministration of death, if there being nothing that can bridge a gap of actual life, if, if I were to only give you, only food we have to eat here is 60% laced with arsenic. And I'm going to give that to you. Well, that's all we got. That's all we got. That's all we got. We'll take it, we'll die. We'll take it, we'll die. We'll take it, we'll die. But something's changed. The ministration of death. In that, even though they knew it was the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Moved. 
Not changed, because God does not change. It's more light. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. But, but it must only be this thing. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. The further you get in the land, the more you see of it. The further you get in the land, the more you see of it. If you walk right to the border of anything, well, I see this, I see this. Come on in. Come over the mountains. Come over the valleys. Come over the hills. Keep looking around. Oh, I see that too. I see that. I keep seeing more. I keep seeing more. And you take it in a balance. Okay, if he's the God of the mountain, he must also be the God of the valley. Amen. And you learn this. You, you don't get it just from the outside view, but you get it as you walk into it. If the same God created this, this is not by happenstance or by accident. He must have created this too. So if he's there with me, then he's here with me. <clears throat> Certain taunts have been made throughout the children of Israel's life. Your God might be a God of the hills, but he ain't a God of the valleys. He God everywhere you look. Amen. David would say, if I even made my bed in hell, he's right there with me. He's God everywhere. But if the ministration, this ministration, this glory which to be done away, which was to be brought up into higher light, not in a, just a church age for, to make it more real for us, not even just in those church age messengers or those church age dispensations, but to be brought up to where you're at, he, you can see a, a movement. You can see drawing closer. For example, if you were here on a journey there and you would say that it's so much, but the closer I get, the more I see, the more I see, the more you smell, the more you hear, the more you can feel. Even in a natural uh, you know, acceptance as such. You follow what I mean by that? If you're walking toward uh, your house and, and you're so far away and it seems so far away, just a little tiniest dot, and you can't hear anything going on, while you're over here, you're thinking, maybe nobody's home. Maybe no lights are on. But the closer you get, the closer you get, you start to hear things, start to hear sounds, maybe voices, maybe someone singing, maybe a party, maybe a celebration going on. You couldn't hear that way over there, but the closer you get, the more and more you can taste of home. That song that says the songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home here no more. The song of sweetest praise. That ministration of death. How shall not, verse 8, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Be rather glorious. So in the natural aspect, with Moses coming down with those tablets of stone, when they actually were stone, chiseled in by the finger of God, rolled in those commandments for them to follow, and they come down, and the glory of God has so saturated this man's life to where he told him, he said, I'll make you God, and Aaron will be your prophet. That God is so trans, that he so translated him from just a normal man, Moses. He's obviously not the man that he was when he was 40. Obviously not the man he is now at 80. He's even brought up higher yet. Still not the same man that walked across the Red Sea. Be just seeing him in the supernatural manifestations of the Red Sea being opened, the bread coming down, all those different things. Just like Elijah on the mountain, I heard the hurricane, I heard the thunder, but it was in that still small voice, in his presence, in that communion, in that sweetness and nearness of fellowship with someone like this. And what it does to you. What it does to you, 
He said, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? So if in that fleshly type you could only accept it through the, the law of sin and death, in your flesh, in your sacrifice, in your experience, in your walk, even down to your communion with God to where it be just a ministration of death. But now that something's been changed or translated or altered or moved or, or even, even, I don't even want to use the word, adapted to a higher light. Moved from that to a higher administration. You're no longer just getting something that causes death. You're no longer just eating these things that causes death. The, the, the food that of our day, the prophet said back in the 50s, the way they've hybridized things, that even back then the food was killing you. Back then. You look at it now, you're like, I can't pronounce any of them. Any of them. And we're still eating the same food and it's killing us. Making you sicker, making you weaker, making you all these things. From the food that you eat. But that's the natural type. This food that you're partaking of, that we're partaking of, that's from the eternal hand of God. Through that, It's a translation of his life to your life. His light to your light. That it's no longer in taking death. It's in taking pure light and pure life. Are you still with me tonight? For if the ministration of condemnation... The ministration of condemnation be glory. Much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. They were given the law. They were given those commandments. And it, without the Holy Ghost, not one could live them. Anybody want to disagree with that? Not one could live it. Look at David. Look at Samson. Look, look at any of the types in the Bible. They couldn't live it. In their flesh, they couldn't live it. The Holy Ghost had not y'all been given yet. But when the Holy Ghost, that ministration of glory, that ministration of life come in, now there's a way to live above sin. Now there's a way to live above that death. doesn't say you won't make mistakes. Uh, uh, it was in that, um, I think it's in the message, The Breach. Brother Ram was talking about being sealed away with God. He said, <clears throat> He said, for example, if you have a train car and the way that they will load and stack those train cars, it must be packed a certain way. They don't want it to go around a bend and everything fall over and crush and break. So they'll stack it all in there in such a way that they'll put a seal over the door that, that the inspector has to check it and make sure that, that, it's, that the, when, when I approve it, it's perfect and ready to go. And it will show up on the other side the same way sealed unto the day of your redemption he said that he's checked that way it's stacked that certain way you're sealed he said so when people they'll make a mistake or they'll go out and make a sin or they'll fall in something like that well the devil made me do it he said no that wasn't the devil he said you had to walk outside of those feathers you had to walk outside of that secret of pavilion you had to walk outside of the presence of god and go taste of what the world land had to have had to offer had the world you had to step outside of it Verse 10, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excelleth, by the reason. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope. Do you have a hope in your heart tonight that's been shed abroad, shed abroad in your heart by the love of Christ, by his word and by the trust that he's given you? For if that which is done away was glorious, think about that. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. That sounds a lot more like face-to-face, -face, closer walk. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, and the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. 
of that which is abolished, which is death. Death is abolished. Death is the last enemy. There will come a time where death will no longer have a sting in your life, where you will not die. You will not taste death. That is this generation. That is this message. That is this life. But their minds, their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. They're shut away. They're hidden, but not in a good way. Nevertheless, when it, when it shall turn to the Lord, when it shall turn to the Lord, very beautiful, when it, or the one, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. What happened when he said, it is finished? The veil of the temple was rent in twain. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's that spirit, and wherever he is, there's a freedom. There's a peace. There's a joy. We've shared that with you. There's a trust. There's a hope. Wherever he is. Wherever he is. So if that's the truth, you'll all admit tonight, you'll all agree that that's the truth. That wherever the opposite of that is, you would say that's not where he is. That would be someone else. That'd be another spirit. That'd be something else that is trying to seal you or lock you away to uh, full out destruction. Trying to take you with him. See, hell had to be enlarged. This is what that purpose and plan of Satan was. If you want to look at it that way. Hell, he was able to get hell added on to. Hell had to be enlarged. Had to be enlarged. Hell was only meant for Satan and his Lucifer and his angels. It had to be enlarged for everyone he's taken with him. They're sealed away. Permanent. Natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. No life. No life whatsoever. And then he says that, that we all, but we all with open face, not ashamed, not hidden. Think about the glory now. If in that that was, that was only glorious in a measure, that was only glorious in a part, would trans, uh, that would uh, transform a man's face to where it shone so bright that they had to put a veil over his face to maybe keep from blinding you, that even in that, then in part, in dimness, not a clear view, not an open book, if you say it like that. But we all with open face. It doesn't just say Moses. doesn't just say a prophet. He says we all, each one, that's sealed with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the fire. Baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire. As in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. See, it's easy to get confused. Well, this must mean when we get to heaven. Oh, glory to glory. It must mean we get to heaven. See, that, that's not the truth. That is in your walk right now. Here a little, there a little. As I walk with him, everywhere he is is a heavenly place. I am now, according to the Bible, according to the prophet, I'm now seated in heavenly places with him now. So he is what makes glory, glory. So if I'm walking in glory unto glory unto glory unto glory in this step, in this step, in this step, in a little more light, in a little closer, in a little nearer to home, I'm changed. See, that's First Thessalonians 4 right there. I'm changed. I'm changed. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
I believe that tonight with all my heart, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's jump over to uh, Acts. we got just a few more minutes. Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Now, a very horrible scene has just unfolded in the... Uh, the, the, uh, the 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 chronology of the of the of the chapter here as we're coming to it, Saul, uh, you have Stephen Stephen that went through all that he's went through and he's testified of the glory of God and what God did and and then even so that they stoned and they took his tried to take his life but he fell asleep. Then you find in verse eight, chapter eight, verse one that Saul's role. You find all that it was on his heart to do there. But in chapter eight, verse five, chapter eight, verse five, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. <clears throat> and preach Christ unto them. Again, a, a, uh, a written epistle, read known of all men, went and was known of men. I want to preach Christ to you. Did you bring me pamphlets? No, I, I come to show you what he does. I come to, see, that's where Mark 16 is, is go preach the gospel. It doesn't mean to stand in the pulpit and preach. It means to demonstrate the gospel. Demonstrate the gospel. I'm here to demonstrate the gospel to you. Chapter 8, verse 5, Then Philip went down the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord, one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Wait a minute, I thought he just preached Christ. He did. He manifested it. He manifested Christ to them. Christ did this, I do this. Christ did this, I do this. <clears throat> verse 7, For Unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many. That sound familiar? We're not talking about Jesus, we're talking about Philip. As I live, because I live, you live also. We're not talking about the Lord Jesus here. Well, I'm not reading to you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the book of Acts. This is someone else that's now, that's emitting the same kind of life, that's doing the same thing. He said, these works that I do shall you do, but greater works shall you do. And so now you have Philip that comes down and everybody with one accord believed it. I disbelieve it. You said God does this. You said God does this. And now you proved it to me. And I guess that's what God does. And now even the demons believed it. The demons believed it. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. That's quite the stir. There was great joy in that city. I say so. Great joy. We had about 25 or 30 lame men. Ain't got them no more. Praise the Lord. That's a pretty good stir right there. Now, you, you see what God has done. You see what the Holy Ghost in a man's life, in a pile of dirt will do. In a pile of dirt, what that seal of God will do. Now, watch this. Verse 9. There was a certain man called Simon. Which before time, in the same city, used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. We've just shared all these other scriptures that shows that the way up is down. That what the Spirit of Christ will do, that you would be humble, that you'd be meek. Not to be that, look at me, I'm the greatest, I'm the highest. You want to be others to be seen, you want others to have the higher part. Simon does not have that testimony. Giving out that himself was some great one. Verse 10, to whom they all gave heed. What did Simon say? Okay, that's what he said. We must do what Simon. They all gave heed. From the least to the greatest. He had a pretty big influence. And they said, 
This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Now, um, is it in Daniel that, I think it's in Daniel that said that Satan woos the nations through flatteries? That he woos them through flatteries, sorceries, bewitching, bewitching, does that sound familiar? <clears throat> but when they believed Philip, hang on now. Hang on now. He just told you that everybody from the least to the greatest paid attention to what Simon said, gave heed to what Simon said. Everybody followed what Simon said. But then, but when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, which is the Holy Ghost, which is the life of God, that's how Jesus described him, concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, whereby you get power, and they were baptized, both men and women. Watch this. Then Simon himself believed also, and he was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Sound like he was just following Philip everywhere he went. You know what the Bible says? Signs and wonders will follow them that believe. I guess Philip was a believer. Are you a believer tonight? Does your fruit prove it? Signs and wonders follow him. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had been baptized, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Remember Acts 19, Paul, uh, Paul comes down and asks, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they make the statement, we've not even yet heard as such if there be. That word right. We've not even heard yet as such, such a be a thing as the Holy Ghost. But you have a similar situation. They have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, yet they had not received the gift of the Holy Ghost and fire, as John would say. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Just like that. And when Simon, the sorcerer, saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. That's a, a kind of a strange reaction. Very strange reaction. I, I feel like that if you were standing there, and, and you saw that, that these men laid their hands on other men. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. I would say, lay your hands on me, and I will get the Holy Ghost. You've got the Holy Ghost, so then I can now lay the hands on you, and you'll get the Holy Ghost if you believe. That, that's what my thinking would be. That's not what was in his heart. That's not what was in his heart. He offered him money, saying, give me also this power. I want that same power. Listen to how he words this, that on whomsoever I lay hands, that I lay hands, I will pick who I give it to. I'll pick who I give it to. I, I've heard of people uh, making a statement that, that they won't believe this unless I let them. They won't come to this unless I give it to them. They have to have what I have. Not in the way of, you know, of the gospel, but in their own, their own arrogance and their own, built, their own built up. But he said, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God, which is that light that's been shed abroad in your heart, may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Your heart's not right, Simon. 
It's not even right. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought, the thought, the thought. Well, I was just thinking by myself in my bedroom, and nobody knew it. Nobody saw it. Nobody heard it. You tell them, the prophet, but told by the angel, that their thoughts are louder in heaven than their words on earth. That their very thought, Jesus would stand there and was telling those, those other, the Pharisees, he said, why think you this? Why think you this? Why think you this? Telling them word for word what they're thinking. He said, the very thought thou hast in this thought. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The bond of iniquity would make this man have this response. The bond of iniquity and the gall of bitterness. We read three Sundays ago, two Sundays ago, uh, about what the root of bitterness would do once it spring up and, and what that house shuts you down. And, and so you have right now a perfect example of what it would do to someone when you have actual manifestation of God in their midst. That's as, about as, de- that's a, as good as an defi- uh, example of defilement as I could think of. You have a man that's been popular, that's been very famous, that's had lots of money, and now he sees something real, and his first response was, I'll buy that from you. And all this is that way is because he had a root of bitterness and in the gall of iniquity. I said that backwards. Lord have mercy. Which one do you want tonight? I want that peace and that freedom of Christ. I want that life. I I want that mercy seat always in my heart. Verse 24, then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. That none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. What a request. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. Satan would love to, 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 to sift you. Satan would love to trap you. Satan would love to put you in prison. Satan would love to do have his way in your life and to beat you down. But that's not what you were meant for. I shared that with you on Sunday. Proof in a physical aspect that you were created to serve the Lord. That's why you were created. That's why each one of us that are standing right now uh, were allowed to stand as we were allowed to stand because we were built to serve the Lord, to live for the Lord, to worship the Lord, to give all of our hearts and lives to the Lord. That's the reason why. But Satan in his perversion and Satan in his, his, his thoughts and his plan brought death and brought discouragement and brought bitterness and brought all of those iniquities that separate you one from another. Not just one from another, but it separates you from him. It's different to me. Well, I can't. I, I can't even. I can't ever talk to Elias anymore. We've had this argument, and now I guess he's got to move away, or I got to move away. And and maybe that's one thing. But but it don't just stop there. It, it goes between you and the Lord, to where that now you can't get a prayer answered, and you'll never overcome that until that's made right. It's very serious. Very serious. Playing place of freedom. That's what I wanted to say.
great Shekinah glory, King of kings, Lord. There is none like thee. Not a presence, not an anointing, not a, not a communion like we have with thee, Lord. What a privilege we have to be your people, Lord, to be chosen, to be called out and elected. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for moving in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for still vindicating and manifesting your word in our lives. And in our service here tonight, Lord God, we appreciate you so much. Lord, how great you are. Great and mighty is our God, Lord. We love you so much. We pray you would be with our brothers and sisters as they go their separate ways tonight, Lord, that you'd go with them and keep them safe, Lord, and be in their midst, be in their fellowship, be in their conversation. Lord, let them know they're not alone, that you're always right there with them. Help them and bless them, we pray. Bring us back safely for our Sunday service, Lord, with you in our hearts, Lord, you burning in our hearts, Lord, and closer and closer to you, Lord, with every breath that we take. We thank you for your mercy to us, Lord. Thank you for being so kind and so gentle with us, Lord, even in our stubbornness and even in things we almost refuse to give up and refuse to sacrifice to you, Lord, but you are such a kind gentleman, Lord, being so patient with your people, and I, I want to say how thankful and grateful I am to you for that, Lord. I praise you for your mercy, Lord. What unsearchable riches have your way in our lives, Lord. We surrender all that we are to you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your grace. Bless all those requests that were put in, Lord, and thank you for the testimony that